A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, listeners, and welcome back to Teb Talks. It has been a great while, and I have missed you all dearly. So you may have noticed that we took a very slight break whilst I got my life together and got some fabulous guests on board so that we can share all of our woes, trials, tribulations, and more importantly, giggles with you all. So this is the podcast where I get together with my friends and people who inspire me to talk about real life issues. We talk about all things from periods to pregnancies to jobs uh, to relationship woes um, and we just like to share those issues and those experiences that we've had with all of you lot basically in the hope that my theory is a problem shared is a problem halved. And there's nothing more comforting and humbling than knowing that you're not going through something alone. So I am joined today by the lovely Liz. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. Hi, Liz. How are you? Good. Yeah. So today's podcast, we are going to be talking about what it feels like to be a mother. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. My sentiments exactly. Um, Yeah, so... I'm joined by Liz. She is a fantastic mother of three young sprog. Um, their ages are... Five, three, and one and a half. To me, that just basically means they're all very small. <laughs> um, um, I did know that little Ace was five, though he's absolutely adorable. Had a little visit from him just now. Full of cheek, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. as always. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I just think it's something that's really interesting at the moment. Um, I think in my friendship group especially and definitely in the workplace within my age group or our age group um it's that age where women are really making that conscious decision to become uh, mothers um and i've always found your particular journey um so um so hard to accept because it just is something that has not really ever made much sense to me because it's not something that I'd ever experienced before and now that we've gotten older and I've realized hang on this isn't that uncommon uncommon um and it makes me look at you personally with um a lot more respect um and I want to first say thank you for in advance uh, for being on the podcast to talk about something that is so personal to you because um, from my experience from other episodes we've done especially the previous mum episode it just means so much to our listeners to hear such an honest account of something that is so personal yeah um, effectively quite literally becomes a little chip of you because Indeed. child is exactly that yeah <laughs> um, so thank you very much in You're advance welcome. 
Um, and so tell our listeners, Liz. Hmm. So you know me very well. Yes. And I think some of our listeners now know me very well. I'm not one for the children. I mean, I ain't no Oprah Winfrey. No. It's not your strong point, I wouldn't say. No. no. <laughs> but I really enjoy um, people that enjoy children. So I love the fact that my friends, most of them have kids um, and that they love their kids and they love other people's kids. Um, and I want to understand what I can do and what women like me can do and what men like me can do to support women that have gone through some of the experiences that you have so would you like to share some of that with our listeners where are we how far back are we going let's take it right back all the way back to the start okay uh well I guess yeah my journey started pretty young with wanting to have children and not being able to have them how old were you um when I found out that there were issues I was 24 wow yeah which um and we kind of touched on this a little bit chatting earlier, I didn't even, um, I wasn't eligible for NHS treatment at that age. And the crazy thing was, was that the issue I had was that I was going to go through an early menopause. And by the time I go through the menopause, it will be too late. And I will still not be at the age that's eligible. So it's kind of like they're saying, you just can't have children. Um, You've got eggs now, but we're not going to do anything to help you. And by the time we will help you, your eggs will be gone. So um, that was kind of tough. Um, <clears throat> we were, I guess, in a really lucky situation that we could afford to go privately. Um, but even with that, you know, it doesn't change what you go through and the heartbreak you go through. And I mean, on um, that, I was reading recently, I think back in August, uh, when a lot of the NHS um, trusts have cut their funding for IVF. I mean, I know you were in a really fortunate position um, and we will talk about um, fortunate financially, but obviously in no other way. I just can't imagine if you weren't in a position mm. uh, to fund it yourself, that given if you were living in one of those trusts which have now cut their funding or restricted it to between 30 to 35 year olds, like how yeah. arbitrary is that? Mm-hmm. And if anything, surely you're wanting to help people that are in a situation that were you were in or were still those women that are older than 35 oh 35 is not old no it's not no (laughs) (laughs) you're done at 35 apparently and I mean I just Um, I can't imagine what that must feel like to feel like you for something that you want so desperately and to be to be denied that what what that must feel like it's like it's really really hard to try and explain um yeah it's it's nothing I've been through like lots of things in my life, grief and, you know, various, and it's, it's not really comparable to anything else that I've been through. Um, it was incredibly hard, incredibly isolating. Um, you feel like a failure actually. Um, you feel like your body is doing, it's just failing you. It's, it can't do the one thing that you're meant to be able to do. You know, reproduction is in our you know, it's it's kind of it's what, what, we're, our, what our female yeah, form is designed that's, to do. Exactly. Yeah. And then whether or not it's a choice to have children or not, if your body decides for you that you can't do it on your own, <clears throat> you just feel like, yeah, you, it's it's not a good place to be in. Um, and and everything triggers you. Life surrounds you by triggers reminding you that you can't do it. I mean, I 
as we've become um, gotten older and become much closer in our friendship over the years, I now look back at that time and I wish that we had any idea of what was going on and not that you didn't tell us and I completely understand why we wouldn't uh, have been in, as close in the loop as, as we, we are if the same thing was to happen now as we are what I call we're real adults now. Yeah, um, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what would we have been able to do? And I think that's what I am so saddened at sort of our failings towards you as friends as that what, what help or comfort could we have given you? I mean, I spent most of my time down in Jaeger shots. At <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't look at, um, I certainly don't look back and think that you were failures as friends. Um, I think it's just, even if you have the most understanding friends in the world, if they're not in the same situation as you, I don't think anyone can help you through it really. Um, the only people that understand it are the people that are going through it. And not only were you guys not ready for families, but, you know, you, you just weren't even near to that place at all. So it was impossible, really, to explain how much I wanted it and how desperate I was when no one else kind of was even thinking about any It wasn't of that anyone's stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't know. Um, I guess the only thing is to just be there. That's all... I think the problem with this stuff is that you do isolate yourself and it's not a good thing to do. You need to try and keep distracted as as much as you you know your your kind of mental state often tells you that you want to be on your own and you don't want to go out and see people and socialize. Actually, if you have some friends that can drag you out occasionally and get you out of that headspace, that's actually probably a pretty good thing to do because it's not good just being at home and crying all the time about it on your own that doesn't do oh, any good does it yeah. and everyone says stress is such a big factor in trying to yeah. get pregnant and yet being infertile is like an endless it's ball like of a stress in the egg. That, yeah Sorry, pardon my pun <laughs> uh, yeah yeah quite literally yeah. the the more you're you want something the more stressed you get i mean yeah. it's really stupid comparison but i always think whenever i can't sleep and then I'm mm-hmm. trying to think I need to get off to sleep and that's making me not sleep. And yeah. then it's like a vicious cycle. But what what you're um, explaining to me, like imagine that time, like a billion. Yeah. Yeah, um, and actually seeing girlfriends that are kind of single or, you know, just carefree in that area, it would actually be really good relief from it because you tend to go to these clinics and make friends with the people there because you're going through the same stuff, but actually you're surrounding yourself with more of the same. You know, you end up sending messages about the cycle you're going through. And and it doesn't... Yes, it's nice to have people that understand, but it doesn't give you any relief from it. Because you never have escape from it. No, because if you're not worried about yourself, you're then worrying about your friend that's doing it. So, um, yeah, I think... But you know what, it's it's easy in hindsight to look back and say this stuff. I mean, I don't know if you girls had, like, cut, turned up one day and been like, we're taking you out. I don't know if I would have even been up for it, yeah. you know? It's it's really, it's a weird place to be in. Um, yeah, and I think you purposefully shut yourself off, and it's quite hard for people to break into that if you're making a conscious effort to keep people out. So, um, And one thing that I've always wanted to try and understand was the physical process. I mean, I... Um, only really sort of in very recent months, not even years, which is terrible, um, have only really 
fully understood my reproductive cycle and yeah. you know all that yeah. stuff and I have friends tell me all the time like they're ovulating yeah. you know they need uh-huh. to have sex blah 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 and I'm like you know <laughs> yeah you just try and do everything in your power not to get pregnant yeah. in my case so to to be in that world which is so like heavily depicted and like over dramatized mm-hmm. and almost turned into a big caricature in on tv and yeah and in the media like do you think that's something that we can be doing to make it less, you know, less of a joke or less of a satire? I think it doesn't help people that don't know much about it, like myself. Yeah. Um, and I guess that whole, even that whole notion of like a test tube baby, of course, yeah. we know that's where it's, it comes from originally in the, um, scientifically, effectively, it's a baby born in the lab or in a yeah. test tube or, or petri out dish. of yeah, yeah. <laughs> often a petri yeah. dish um but it's not a joke is it and i think that having some understanding all women understanding how reproduction actually works and yeah. how their hormones work and how um what ovulation is i mean mm-hmm. couldn't fully tell you now anyway <laughs> okay <laughs> um. <laughs> That's when you release your egg. <laughs> yeah, so I know yeah. it's the egg thing. And yeah. I basically I know that's when you're going to get pregnant. Hopefully, yeah. So yeah. I use an app now called Flow. Nice. Which... Yeah. Um, Actually named. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which basically tells me when I'm ovulating. It tells okay. me when I'm supposed to be due my period. Do you read your own body signals though? Do you? Well, the, the app has taught me how to read okay, my own good. body signals. But yeah. I wasn't. Like I didn't know. Didn't. And it has all these like different factors in like your, your mood um and actually uh the high low podcast they did a really good um episode on periods and they would i think it might have been flow or a similar app no maybe it was alex that told me about flow um but it made me think well i don't know about all of these things yeah. about my body and i think i'm quite in tune with my body like i'm quite holistic and i'm quite in tune with my emotions yeah but it amazed me when um i was reading up on it and actually then applying it to my own physical body made amazed me how little I knew about myself yeah. and I just think to myself god I'm just using this so that I can be prepared for my period because I just never know when it's going to come <laughs> yeah but the thought of using it to try yeah, and have a baby yeah and yeah. it's addictive like yeah. I feel like sometimes I need to update my mood throughout the day so I go onto the app <laughs> and I change it yeah I mean I want it, the best prediction it becomes it, it seriously becomes an obsession when you're trying to have a baby as much as you try not to um, especially at the beginning, because everyone says, oh, you know, it can take a year even when you're perfectly healthy. It becomes a crazy obsession monitoring your body. You look for every signal possible. And, um, you know, you can go from the very basic of just, you know, watching out for the ovulation signals, having sex, and then waiting to see if you get your period. And then it turns into, well, I'll take my temperature because that, you know, you get like a rise in your temperature when you ovulate. So then you go into that and you're charting it on a little chart and watching it. This? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and then lots of people love the clear blue fertility monitor, which is, it's, it's a fertility monitor. Um, and it gives you like a sort of smiley face when you're ovulating and it's, it's pretty precise. And a lot of people have luck with that because the thing is, is that I think a lot of the mistake comes from sex education in school where they tell you, we virtually had none. Well, we virtually had none, but what we did have was, um, people have a 28 day cycle and you ovulate on day 14. Um, it's not the case. Probably the people that have that scenario are one in 10. I don't know what the figure is, but, um, I certainly didn't have a 28 day cycle. I most definitely did not ovulate exactly halfway through it. And the problem that people don't know a lot of the time is 
you don't have a big window. If you've ovulated two days before, you've you've missed your chance. You know, you might get one really super swimmer that could make it if you <laughs> if you've really. But a lot of people miss that window, and then these monitors come into use. Um, well, I was reading up on this because I was fascinated by this the, the window concept because apparently it's a twelve hour window within that ovulation period, mm-hmm. and if you're stressed within that twelve hour window, then you're decreasing. And I was like. Of course you're going to get stressed if you've got normal life. Unless you literally have intercourse and then just lay down (laughs) for 12 hours. And don't talk to your partner in case you have an argument. Because, (laughs) yeah. Um, No, it's crazy. When there was a video that was out a few years ago and and it showed the journey of the sperm going through um, the womb and then along the fallopian tube and meeting its little egg. and, and, And it's crazy. Like, it actually blows your mind watching it how difficult it actually is to make a baby. And, yeah, and you get to the end of that and you're like, how does anyone get pregnant, let alone by accident? Which like, is what's so it... shocking to me because I always feel like this people are always accidentally getting yeah. pregnant. Well, when we were trying to um, have our first baby, we had 13 couples that got pregnant oh. in our friendship circles. Oh my God. And I'm not joking when I say I think it was five of them, it was an accident or a surprise. And when you're desperately trying to make a baby and people are like, oh yeah, it's a bit of an accident. Oh, well, you know, what can you do? You're just like, are you joking? How can you have accidentally got pregnant? It's not that easy. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite crazy. That's too. something that I find quite hard. I mean, oddly, I've had, I mean, it's not odd. I mean, it's it's probably something that's, which is why I wanted to make this podcast today is in my friendship groups, um, I've had at least, you know, four or five of my friends who under the ages of 30 in some instances under the ages of 25 have struggled to mm. um i don't even want to say this it like this have give birth nat- or conceive naturally okay mm-hmm. and i've had to have some kind of intravenous assisted um, yeah. reproduction yeah um and it just doesn't make sense to me when they're all healthy women mm-hmm. um you know very little no history of any health complications in their medical history no. um And I just don't understand why they've struggled. And I think seeing their pain has been really eye-opening to me. Mm. Um, And as we've gotten older and I am somebody who does not want children, so if I did have a child, it would most definitely be an accident. (laughs) Yeah. It's... How how do you speak to people? Like, how do you get rid of that awkwardness? Like, what, what, what would you say is the best advice that you can give? Like... And I've had I've had some situations where I'm like I'm just going to continue as normal, you know. Yeah. And I've had some where I've completely retreated, and it's got to the point where I've been unable to speak to that friend because I don't know what to say without offending them or just knowing who I am and what I would normally say. It would be so obvious that I was censoring myself around yeah. them, and that's to me I feel maybe really insincere and. I don't know, what what is the best way to speak to somebody? It's really tough because obviously everyone's different and everyone wants a different kind of... Some people want to be wrapped up in bubble wrap. And, I mean, I didn't. I I would much have rathered you to come over and just, like, being yourself and said whatever you were going to say. But I think as long as you're willing to listen and as long as you try and understand you know as much as you can you just understand that your friend is in pain that's kind of all you need to be able to do and listen to them you know whether it's because they need to talk about something completely different or they need to cry just 
let them do it. Um, I saw an amazing play a couple of weeks ago called Yerma with Billy Piper. Oh, and, you saw it? I did see it. And um, it like it brought back so... M- I cried watching it because it brought back so many intense emotions because she goes... She struggles for years trying to have a baby and she doesn't ever manage to. And um, it was... I think that really proved how everyone feels along the same lines of emotions, but you can react to it really differently. I mean, she ends up, she, she does, she goes crazy and she actually ends up, shall I ruin it? Or not? No, I'm not going to say it. <clears throat> she Sorry, ends Billy. up killing herself at the end. Oh, shit. Um, and it's, it's really awful. And obviously we ended up being lucky and it worked, but on the way home, I was saying to my husband, I was like, you know, I, not that I want to say that's where I would have ended up, but I can see you can me going down some of the path that she went down because you know, it's there's this horrible moment in it where her sister announces that she's pregnant, and again, I think for the second time, and um, she, when she loses the baby, um, Billy's character admits to someone that she felt relief, and she's disgusted with herself, and she hates herself for feeling it, but there's this like awful dark side of her that's relieved because seeing another person get pregnant and go through it is just so hard for her. And it's a really difficult topic to even touch on, but I can understand it because it's, you know, it hurts. Like, it really hurts when that's all you want, especially when it's, you know, an accident or whatever and people don't seem happy about it. And you're. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. But they're like, why can't it just be me? Yeah. You know, it's it's a re- it's a really like emotive topic and um it's not all very nice, the stuff that you feel when you're going through infertility battles. But um hope you know, lots of people do come out the good side of it. We were one of them, but you just need people to be around you, really. I think as well, I think what I've noticed, I've got a couple of friends who are, are much older than us and, and they were never able, and they stopped trying eventually. Um, and I notice sometimes when, say, someone else has got their kids there or someone's talking about their I mean, kids, and they, their children have grown up now. Hmm. And there's some, I don't know, it's like something in somebody's face and you just 
to be aware of that like you can make such crude jokes sometimes and that can be around anything I find Mm -hmm. myself in so many situations now where I think I'm far more sensitive at times than I would be otherwise yeah um and you know me I'll crack the crassest joke there is um Mm -hmm. but there are some things that are are, as you you were saying triggers like we were talking earlier about having triggers and just being aware that if you know somebody's history, if you know something about somebody that is, is, has got some sensitivity towards them, yeah. just because it's not something that socially we would hold back, just have a bit of compassion for that person. Yeah. But then I guess there's always that balance of not censoring yourself. Yeah, it's a really tough one because obviously, yeah, you don't want people to feel like they're on eggshells. And and the thing is, is a lot of people don't know you're going through it when you're going through it. You know, we didn't talk about it until after the fact. So, yeah. of course, we had people telling us and, you know, I had friends complaining about their pregnancy, which is literally like a knife in the gut when all you want yeah. is to have complaints about pregnancy. You're like, I would do anything to be in pain if I was pregnant, you know, um, but they don't know. So if they don't know what you're going through, so maybe that kind of leads on to do we need to just try and be more open in general about the topic because it's still quite taboo a lot of the time. It people, absolutely is. Yeah, people really... And it's actually been really lovely, um, obviously sad too, but lovely that since we had our first and made it really, really, really clear to people and we were very open about the struggles we went through, we've had quite a few sets of friends come to us and tell us that they're having problems and ask for advice and... I'm just so glad that we have been open about it because there's couples that we're friends with that wouldn't be pregnant if we hadn't kind of talked. We went through a lot, you know, we weren't a simple case. So we found out some some really crazy sides to reproduction. Um, and uh, we've got a couple of friends that are pregnant now because they had these quite unusual treatments that we went through. And I'm just so glad that we could help them because I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I wouldn't want anyone to suffer that unnecessarily. So... I think if we could be more open, it would it would really help. And I think, I mean, I know I've said thank you already, but I, I think it, it's so incredible when women do feel brave enough. Or and, and as you say, you're very lucky in that it's been some time. Like, your little man's a big boy now. Yeah. Um, and you've been able to yeah. get comfortable with the struggles that you went through. Um, but I know from my experience of just being a colleague or a friend to somebody going through that that I I always feel in this really awkward place I feel like in my my career I do so much connecting of people Mm. it's like the main part of my job is facilitating conversation between different people with similar experiences so that they can learn from that and be excellent together and I don't feel like I have permission to do that and I wanted to sit down with you especially on this episode because I feel like god if we can just make it okay to, to to talk about this and have people talk about it as well that aren't going through it yeah. together like it's i should be able to talk about it with you and absolutely yeah yeah um and have more women um and men because i think what one thing that i noticed with a one of my friends a set of friends who are a couple it is so hard or can be from what i've seen so hard on that husband that is trying to support yeah. his wife or boyfriend that's trying to support his girlfriend through it and I felt like I had one particular friend he, he couldn't he couldn't say or do anything mm-hmm. and if anything all that did was add to the stress and as a friend to both of them 
like what do you say what do you do at the same time like just don't breathe yeah <laughs> yeah everything you do yeah it's gonna make this worse oh it's cr- yeah it's crazy I mean the I think that's the problem is that men do get a little bit overlooked in this stuff too yeah. because the woman is going through the physical side of it at the end of the day the guy does literally have to give sperm in a pot it's not the hardest <laughs> job in the world um and the woman has to do you know the really crappy side of it the real bad hormones and the physical you know it's it's not nice you lose your dignity going through things like that but I mean I remember once going into an appointment and like just going in and immediately starting to unbutton my trousers and the doctor was like we don't need to do that today (laughs) and you just you get to that point where you're just like well like everyone looks you know everyone has a good old look with a big flashlight you know it's like um and yeah anyway so we have that side of it and emotionally it is hard for the guys as you know they want kids too but they also have to watch the woman they love or whoever it is going through a load of shit and it's not easy watching the person that you care about suffer and I know that Adrian my husband it was the times we found out the IVF had failed were sad for him because it hadn't worked but they were a lot worse because of what it did to me him watching you yeah him watching me suffer like that and you know obviously I would go through the the actual physical loss and you know that you've had embryos implanted and then it hasn't worked and you have to bleed and you know that it's not a miscarriage as such but they were living embryos when they were put inside you and they're they're leaving your body it's you know and he, I had to go through that, and it was really tough. But he had to try and help me through it. And, and how can you help? It's how, hard. Yeah. yeah. What do you say to that? And to be honest, I don't know everyone in the world. For me, most of it, I just needed to be hugged a lot. I <laughs> and mean, it's like there's a lot to be said for that because yeah. sometimes a hug goes a long way. There's because there's actually not words a lot of the time with things like that. You kind of run out of you're things just, to say. Yeah. You're empty. You're just left with this hollow feeling inside you and all you want is to feel better and there's not really anything anyone can say and they want to be able to say to you it'll be all right it will work next time but and, they can't say and you that can't. I think I'm so I'm so conscious of of using that type of language yeah because I don't know I'm not yeah you don't know it'll be all right I'm not yeah. you know master of the universe no. I don't know and you don't want to be lied to you know and if it, someone says it to you the absolute people you hate when you're going through stuff like that are the people like, oh, but I had a friend, you know. Oh, did you now? Yeah. yeah. Did you? Was it the exact same situation that I'm in? I don't think no, it was. Exactly. Um, or you have your first baby and they're like, oh, I've got, I know loads of people, their second baby, it just happened naturally. I'm sure that'll happen. Well, it didn't. That didn't happen for us. So thanks for the advice. <laughs> um, you know, because it's annoying. No one knows your medical issues they don't know what the hell you're going through so you don't want people to say it's all right because it's actually not you just need people to be there and I'm quite a physical person tactile person and I just want to be hugged and you know that kind of is all Adrian could ever do for me really but um yeah but I think again you don't always feel like you're doing enough when you're doing that so and am I right in so I recently watched um this is very telling of how sad my life is. <laughs> uh, single woman alert. Um, I recently watched every single episode of Party of Five. I um, have not watched back that. Back to back. Okay. So. I really? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Uh, 
Is it something I need to make time for? Mm, I don't know. There might be... Actually, I'd say there's definitely some triggers in there because, like, halfway through, the main char- one of the main character's uh, girlfriend, she can't have kids, and he stays with her, but then he breaks up with his next girlfriend because she doesn't want kids. Oh, okay. And then they get back together, and then yeah. they go through treatment, and the one thing that was really gruesome for me that, um, sorry, that could, that could have been an offensive way of saying it, but it, it seemed really gr- like gruelling for the uh, woman going through the treatment was the physical pain that you in- yeah. endure. I hadn't realised it hurt. That sounds so really Which naive, part? doesn't Like it? the actual... Just, I mean, I'm not one for needles. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a so... lot of needles. And yeah. he goes to hug her in this one <clears throat> scene and she literally flinches. Yeah. And like she lifts up her top, and it's like she's oh, literally taking a beating. Yeah. yeah. But what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, there's so many parts to this, and obviously each clinic is different. The clinic I went to ran like well, the second clinic I went to after failures previously was a really intense process, and it involved um, two blood tests a day, every day. I'm out. I know Already, every day I'm out. for um, well two weeks. Then you get a couple of days off, then you have another couple couple of days off, and then when you're pregnant, you go back to having them every day again until you get to a certain hormone level. But so when you're having them twice a day for two weeks, clearly you you use... Can we just take a pause? I, my stomach <laughs> actually just did a knot. Like... Okay. <laughs> Am I going to make you... Oh. I can't it gets, even... It gets worse. Um... I, I will just say that, obviously, you run out of veins because you, you know... It's... Oh, my God. I had veins collapse because you, they can't, you know, they can't take anymore. If you've used them twice, you know, you use, get through one arm in a day and your hand and then the other arm and your hand, you keep going back. Eventually you, you, you bruise so much and you're so sore because on top of that, you're having hormone injections, um, into your stomach. So there were days where I'd be having two blood tests and like four or five hormone injections into my stomach as well. And wow. then I was on blood thinners, which is a horrific is that injection. Just so that you can continue to it helps the blood, blood flow to the yeah. root to the womb and stuff like that. That was a horrible injection um, that really hurts. So that the bruises you get with that are mad. And then when you get pregnant, they often put you onto progesterone, which is the most insanely big needle into the muscle of your bum. And I mean, when I say like. The pain is like nothing else. I would literally scream into the pillow some nights because you're on that until you get to 12 weeks pregnant. So what's um, the progesterone f- for? So progesterone is produced when you're pregnant. Um, oh, but okay. if you need the pregnancy to be supported, like if you've gone through something like IVF, they, they kind of just boost you just to... and they get your progesterone really high to just take away some of the extra risks. If your progesterone falls, you can't keep the pregnancy. So oh, wow. they do it to most people that go through IVF. Um, and oh, it was it was crazy. I mean, after a while, Adrian had to do that one for me because it's in your bum. Obviously, you let you him can't. give it to you? For that one, you have to because it has to... They You have to like put your bum into like a, a quarter and it has to go into the, wa- the right... pocket. Yeah. And it's you, it's almost impossible to do yourself when the needle is like this big and it has to go all the way in. Um, oh. How much am I showing you? I'm rubbish with measurements. Like four inches? <clears throat> yeah, inches. something like that. Three inches? Yeah. Um, so he would do it for me, but it gets to the point where you're so um, bruised. It, you know when it builds up that kind of hard... Yeah, your skin almost sort of, toughens yeah, underneath exactly. like, and to it's protect all, itself. I mean, it was horrific. It was like... 
uh, anyway. So it's a lot of needles. Um, and I was not a needle person before. I was like you. I mean, I passed out at blood tests when I was a teenager. I still can't go for blood tests. But it's amazing when you get to this point in your journey that you're so desperate to have children, you'll do anything. You will literally put yourself through anything. And there were days where I was... I mean, I did pass out a couple of times because I had... Um, I don't know if you knew, I had to have those blood transfusions as well when I was pregnant. Um, I, yeah, no, I remember that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So I would be hooked up to these transfusions for like four hours at a time every three or four weeks. Um, and I did pass out a couple of times with those because you're obviously at this point, if you're pregnant, you're also like sick. Yeah, and, and like trying to really take care like, of another human yeah. being. So it's a really physically exhausting and draining process. You go through an awful lot and it's not nice and we went through five rounds of IVF in a year and a half so wow. <clears throat> yeah it's a lot it's um and before you even start That's a really really condensed I thought that was over the the two two kids I hadn't realized that was no that was all just to have the first yeah and then Emmy was the sixth attempt like your one thing that I I find incredible like the mental resilience and to me that can only come from like the determination and that that constant desire and that passion and want to have a child that one thing that could get you through that because Mm. that's hard work I mean when you go through anything stressful that that's putting strain on a relationship that that defines who you are it's it's hard work anyway but to have that for a, a year or more is intense yeah, it is. Um, and we had, you know, we had doctors tell us that it wasn't going to work and that we should look at egg donors and even embryo donations. So and... what would the other options be to have like a surrogate or no, it was have never, an egg implanted it, in you? Yeah, it was um, never an issue with my womb. It was the eggs. Well, we thought it was the eggs. It actually wasn't in the end. Um, stop it. No, no, not joking. Um, and so they were saying get an egg donor, then it would have been Adrian's sperm with a different egg or a whole embryo donation so it wouldn't have been biologically our child but I still would have been pregnant so was that really (laughs) this is going to be really probing now was that really important for you to have it biologically your child because what was I for me um I'm not you know I I don't have that close attachment to children um that I think most or a lot of women do Mm. um and I would always say, and people are like, it's not the same, would you not have considered adoption, or... Yeah, no, we did. Um, I, had, I had a massive desire to be pregnant. I was really... I From as young as I can remember, I remember putting, like, teddies up my dressing really? gown and wanting to be pregnant. I cannot do um, anything worse. <laughs> I know, it's weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm totally done with it now. Yeah. Three's good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always wanted to, but... When we got to the topic of an embryo donation, um, or actually, to be honest, an egg donation where, you know, you then have to have to think about the fact that you will always know biologically it would have been Adrian's and not mine. It does put a different element yeah, in relationships. As soon as it, we cross that line where yes. it's changed from being 100% biologically your child, it's a different conversation, isn't it? And- it is different. And we kind of came to the conclusion that actually adoption probably would have been a, a better choice for us than that. So we did it's start... it's very personal, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and we did start looking into adoption. I mean, I remember when I found out I was pregnant, I had adoption tabs up on my laptop, 
and I kept them there for quite a few weeks because I didn't believe that it was gonna oh, work Liz. you know um <laughs> don't because it'll make me cry Sorry. um and uh yeah so it's I don't know it's a really tough one everyone's so different and I know people that um a couple recently that we know of that have been trying to have children and they've had a couple of rounds of IVF and they've just totally stepped back from it and decided to go along the adoption route because it's they just it's That's too much going to work for them yeah. and we had discussions not just about adoption but about just stopping and not having children at all and being okay with the fact that it would only be us for the rest of our lives and we we were okay with that it wasn't you know it wasn't going to be the life that we'd planned but we realised that we we loved each other enough that we would still have a great life, just the two of us, and we would do different things. You know, instead of yeah. getting the house in the suburbs, we would keep our flat and we would be travelling all the time and we'd have all these different adventures and, you know, it, which was fine because we, we loved it. very that. different. Yeah, yeah, but you kind of... I think there comes a point in those sorts of fertility journeys where you have to make those decisions and you have to be okay with whatever happens because it's sometimes it is either that or you don't last as a couple it is that draining I think that's what why I've always been so um you know in 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 awe and really admired your 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 relationship with Adrian is is simply because the the amount of strain that would have put on your relationship is unfathomable Mm. and um and there's no blame in those couples that don't last because of it but it's just huge amounts of pressure i always think whenever there's something and when you marry somebody you marry that one person and anything else that like tips that status quo Mm. uh it obviously builds up a different energy i can imagine all sorts of resentment and it just must have been so hard um and for those couples that don't ever manage to um have a child or choose to stop trying um that stays with you and I would love to live in a world where sadly for us unfortunately women are uh, still struggling to conceive um, and obviously because women are having babies later and later I mean in your case it was even more of an exception because you were trying to, to have a child which was even younger than what is according to the <laughs> yeah. NHS the optimum age to conceive Indeed, yeah. um, and still struggled hugely but um, I would at least like to know that by the time your kids have kids, they are not, you know, cooped up at home on their yeah. own, crying for a year, dealing with this. Yeah. And they are talking to their friends, like me, might be my mini-me, maybe a niece. <laughs> maybe a niece, That yeah. will drag them out and cheer them up, or at least just have someone to talk about it to let them feel less alone. I think that's oh, I'm, really I'm tempted to get my kids to freeze their egg and sperm when they're like 18. Really? Yeah. Just to, <laughs> just to save them from going through what we went through. Be like, get a few good samples in. Put them away. And, uh, and um, then you can relax for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's so important that we talk about these things. So yeah. just want to say thanks again. Um, I will um, share in the link to the episode all of the useful information um, that Liz encountered on her journey. Um, if you'd like to la- ask any questions, either to the gorgeous Liz herself or to myself, you can email tebtalksuk at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter, which is at tebmoema, that's T-E-B-M-O-E-M-A. And you can follow me on Insta at teb1. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you very much, Liz. No problem. Bye. Bye. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.